Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. It is hot as all hell in the academy lately. Man, temperatures here in the north campus is hitting about 90. Temperatures in the southern campus are probably over 100. Isn't isn't that right, uh, Commodore Enright? <laughs> Dude, it has been it is over 100. Hot as hell. Yeah, and about 40 miles away is a wildfire that's only 18% contained in Grafford, just not far from here. Good. It, it, I mean, and there's no relief in sight. They're saying, oh, we might get a cold front and it comes through tomorrow and it'll be 90. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, oh, my God. And the, the <laughs> fact that you're going, OK, yeah, 90. I can handle that because like today it's 106, you know, I think total with everything. Oh, um, uh, dude, it has been it's been over 100 degrees oh, for the last God. two weeks. And then it's supposed to be, I think, 90 tomorrow. So we get a reprieve of the hundreds until um, about next weekend. You know, Fourth of July weekend. So on the fifth, oh, I think we get back to 102. You know, my so. lord. So, so <laughs> to, to let the people know, I'm Demetrius Erdos. Grand Nagas Zach is my homie because love the Ferengi. And the person you are hearing is my man, the Sinister Minister, the Davod God. You find him uh, on the Smack Attack with James Money MacGyver. Shout out, Money MacGyver, kicking kicking COVID's ass. Uh, <laughs> shaking his head, it's like no, not really. <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna he, he's he, he he's he's gonna hear that. He's gonna get all hot. I didn't definitely say anything. You you're the one who just sold me under the bus. Man. I know, I did, I did. Oh well, fuck it. <laughs> he also loves all that. New Japan AEW bullshit. That's right. My man, John Enright. John, what's going on, brother? Oh, not much. Just, you know, recording the podcast, getting ready for tonight for Forbidden Door. Oh, you know? a, oh what a jerk off. Okay, Forbidden <laughs> Door. Tony yeah. Kai, he's a, he's, a, he's, he's a jerk off. Yeah, well, you know, I, my hope was that my man Lance Archer would be on the show, but... No, of course he on, not. He was on Wednesday night, so they wrest, he wrestled with oh, Jericho Wednesday night. Oh, he was on Wednesday night. But, oh, but of course, because he wasn't on the pay-per-view, he ate the pin. Shocker. You know, because that's how you treat the largest, you know, your biggest big man you've got, who's pretty there awesome. Go. There you go. You know, let's let's uh, let's let's bury your big guy one more time. Archer, you know? Archer, Ar- Archer's got heat because he's a Christian. That's the reason why. <laughs> Probably, you know. He's got heat because he's a Christian, so... He- <sighs> oh my god Who man knows? i don't i don't fucking get it man i don't either but i get it like I, I get it with the rip rogers thing as long as long as long as the check's clear but come on man it's like yeah. you know i mean i mean lance lance isn't a spring chicken anymore man lance has gotta you know he's gotta make his run here yeah like he would have been great for this uh you know um all atlantic tournament you know i mean I know that, that Ishii could have been out, and they put it in Clark Connors, but why not Lance Archer? You know, if we're to represent New Japan, he's going to be he's going to be on the G one, 
you know, how cool would it look to have him in the G1 with the All-Atlantic belt while you're in you know, Japan walking around with that thing? To build yeah, that but here's up. the note, but he's in the G1, the All-Atlantic, though. You don't want to pin your All-Atlantic champion, though. But the, the, the pro, but that's the problem. Like he can, he can just DQ every time because he's. Oh yeah, he could DQ. You yeah. know, because he's he's the murder heart monster. He's part of Suzuki Goon, you know, and he. Can oh, DQ well, if he's part of Suzuki, if he's with, if he's with, <coughs> if, if he's with Minoru Suzuki, then yeah, he can just go and just yeah. beat the shit out of somebody until the bell rings and stops it. Yeah, you're right you know, about that. You know, so yeah, I mean, like, it's well, I mean, listen, man, it's, they don't know how to book. Yeah, it's. I don't know, but I mean that's just me. I would have, I would have preferred that, but that again, I, I am biased. I'm a little biased. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not even being biased, man. You look at Lance. I mean, he's seven foot, three hundred and like fifty pounds. Well, he's two seventy eight. Two seventy eight. I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to. But I mean, he's two seventy eight. You, you look at him. He's he's a fucking man. Yeah. He's a man. I mean, compare when he's in the ring with Jericho, and I mean Jericho. Yeah, I mean half his size. Yeah. You know? Like you know, like I, I, I get you. I get you. you're doing the honors to Jericho, but you know, I was like, how did Jericho beat him? At least it was the referee's back turn. Jericho well, no. hit him with a baseball bat. Jericho I mean, and him were teamed together because you know uh, against Moxley and Tanahashi, who are supposed to be in the main event on Forbidden Door. And uh, and, they, and wait a minute, and, and you're kidding me. They had who they had, they had Moxley pin. Archer? Uh, yeah. No, yes. So Moxley hit him with a DDT, and then Tanahashi hit the high five flow, which is his frog splash. And then so Tanahashi gets the pin. Um, and then, yeah. So then uh, and this, is, this is how the show ended on Wednesday night, right? So Lance rolls out. Then Jericho rolls out. Moxley and Tanahashi are like face-to-face because they're the main event for tonight. Well, then Suzuki comes out, and all these people come out to start beating up on everybody who's part of Jericho Appreciation Society or whatever. Now Suzuki is kind of paired with Jericho. So at yeah. one point, Suzuki comes out and like all, it, basically everybody's fighting outside the ring and the whole time Moxley and Tanahashi are facing each other face-to-face you know, like talking as if but we can't hear what they're saying while this brawl is going on. And it's no, like, one, no one's even going after Moxley? No one's going no after Moxley? Or, no, they are just standing there. In the ring. And dude, it was like uh, at the you're thinking, okay, they're going to go for a couple minutes off the air. Dude, it was like five minutes. It was awkward because they're just face to face talking the entire time. Oh Nobody God. goes after him, and oh everybody's just yeah. It was this. I mean, this is. It'd have been cool if there had been like a minute and a half, two minutes left. You know, like you know, everybody's brawling, they're facing off, and then you off you go off the screen. But it was like five minutes, dude, and it was just like awkward at this point. Like, but how long can you sit there and stand and talk to someone face to face in their face? Before you do something, or you just look stupid. Yeah, yeah, you know? and I mean, it looks stupid. It, it, it you know because you let it go for too long. By so. the way, I went to my local. You know, <coughs> I went to my local supermarket and I asked people. I was like, "Hey, does anyone know who Tanahashi is?" And nobody said anything. Hey, does anyone know who John Moxley is? Nothing. Hey, does anyone know who The Rock is? Oh yeah, I know The Rock. Does anyone know who Stone Cold Steve Austin is? Oh yeah, I I, I know Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Wrestling is dead. Yeah. Wrestling is dead. And just 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 like that, just what you told me, it's it's I, I I'm I can't watch AW, I can't watch WWE. I refuse to watch either either promotion. I watch a little impact because 
or I watch Dark to see, you know, some of our guys basically job out to guys, okay, that couldn't waste up their fucking boots, okay, for God's sakes. You know, it's it's fucking terrible. The only the only good wrestlers in AEW. Oh, let me see. Serena Deeb. Serena Deeb, that's it. <laughs> that's it. She's the only one. Oh, I'm sorry. Mercedes Martinez. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I love Lance, but you know, they're they're bearing Lance. Mm-hmm. MJF, he's non-existent anymore now. Yeah. You love like, Brian Danielson. You're not a you know a... the American Dragon? I mean, come on, man. American Dragon. You know what? Good, good. Why don't you why don't you doing these stupid fucking matches so you can Really scramble your fucking brain so you, so you can be a potato for your fucking daughter. Because I want to get five-star matches. Fucking jerk off. It's about making money. And that's, and that's another thing, too. I mean, just, just, let me just... This whole PGA Tour live live golf thing. Right. Everyone, oh, these live guys. Blah, blah, blah. The PGA... Motherfucker, it's a business. Yeah. It's a business. Guys are doing it to make money. Okay? They ain't doing it for the passion. Let me tell you something. If the PGA Tour didn't pay any money, those guys wouldn't be playing on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Okay? It's a business. Live Golf offered Dustin Dustin Johnson $150 million to play in less tournaments. It's just like WCW. Less dates and less dates and more money. Yeah. Works perfectly. Hey, if the Saudi Arabian government came to you and me and said, hey, we're going to give you each $150 million to do the Academy podcast, and you only have to do it once a month. Yeah. I'd be like, okay. Sign me up. But yeah, I don't, I mean. And and and, and, and these people and these, and these other professionals that, oh, Saudi money, isn't that? You play, in, you play in all those Saudi tournaments before. You took all the Saudi money. You posed pictures in front of the Saudi princess, princess before, but now all of a sudden, oh, now it's bad now. Well, I mean, that's bullshit because some of these banks that fund roll some of these, you know, tournaments are just as dirty. They have, you know, terrorist money and stuff like that. So don't even start playing that, that, you know, um, you know, moral card because, you know, some of these companies and organizations that that spearhead some of these tournaments are just as bad, if not worse. Exactly. You know, but yet, no, it's in the United States, so it's okay. No, it's the U.S. Yeah, right. Saudi Arabia. USA USA number one. Right. But but, yeah. You know, like I was was looking at it, they they showed like the top 20 at the live tournament all made more money than the winner of the same tournament of that weekend for the PGA. Yeah. You know, or we're like, we're right about that. You know, yeah. Charles Schwartz won $4 million. He won more money than Fitzpatrick won when when he won the U.S. Open, yep. almost 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 one to two million dollars more. You tell me you don't you don't think somebody like, you know, like those guys like they want it. obviously it's yeah. it's about money, people. It's a fucking job. Mm-hmm. I have a buddy man that play golf. He's like, oh oh, you know, I play for the prestige of the PGA Tour, blah blah blah. You know, they make. I was like, I was like, bro, you don't get it, man. They're not. It's a business. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, I said it's a business. They're there to make money, man. It's a job. Yeah. Like, well, you know, it look like that. I'm like, dude, they're there to make money. Yeah, they're not amateurs like you or me, where we do it to have fun and to play. No, right. them, it's a business. 
They put so much time and effort into it that they make money. And the same thing goes with wrestling. That's why I talk about wrestling. You put all this effort, you put all this time up and down on the indies, this and the other thing. For what? For what? For what? To, to impress a fucking jerk-off like Dave Meltzer and a freaking idiot like Tony Khan with a five-star match with 50 falsies that don't tell a fucking story? And you do it for, oh, oh, I do it for free. Well, you're a fucking moron. Yeah. How's that? You are a fucking moron. Seriously. Mm-hmm. It's a business, people. We're here to make money. Okay? Exactly. It's, it's the same thing with acting. What? Everybody bags on Michael Madsen. Oh, Michael Madsen, he played in so many awful movies. He did it for the money. He goes, it's my job. Yeah. I've got kids to feed. I've got, I've got to make money. What, you think I, you know? Yes, yeah, ask yeah. any actor that. I'll tell oh, yeah. you. Any actor. I mean, that's, that's you know, Nicolas Cage is whoever. You know, at the end of the day, they're doing it for the money. Doing it for the money. You know? I mean, I mean, I mean, they, I mean they, they enjoy what they're doing. Yeah. But they're doing it for the money because they put all this time and effort in. It's like, listen, man, it's like, I'm not going to do this movie for, for, for free. Why? Yeah. Because I love acting? No, fuck that. I'm here to make money. It's a business. Yeah. You know? So, 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 all, so all the people out there, they're like, they want to get on their high horse and talk about that. Guess what? Fuck off and get off your high horse, okay? Bunch of yeah. fucking prima donnas. Because, I mean, I guarantee you people, and they're all, all out honesty, would, would be, you know. They what, would they, suck somebody's dick for $150 million. They would do it. I mean, everybody yeah. has, you know, oh. you know for hundred for that kind of money, you would do something, yeah. you know, ridiculous. Oh, man. Toxic, toxic Dimitri is out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so toxic right now. I'm, I'm going to get canceled for this. Well, but I do want to take a moment to say how much we, we do appreciate our fans and yes, people who listen. We, uh, we want to shout out. Fans. We want to shout out to UTT Rob. Uh, he, yes. he, he hit us up on Twitter. Uh, talking about he enjoyed the show, um, and he gave us a couple of really cool ideas. Um, talking about we'd love to get you know we're going to work and continue to get Star Trek continues someone from the cast onto the show. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, I mean Star Trek, I mean, that'd be great because yeah, Star Trek continues was t- to me. I there was there was a couple episodes there where I literally where I shed tears. Yeah. I don't know why Star Trek makes me cry. I don't know why. Like no other movie makes me cry. But there's a couple episodes of Star Trek News that were done so well. The acting was so good. And you just watch like, my God. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, why didn't like CBS pick this up to even make like a spinoff where you don't have to have them play the, you know, the kind of character. Have them play something similar to that, to, to TOS because they, they did it with so much love. And I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, RIP Grand Mahara played a great silver. Right. You know? And yeah. that's, and that's, and that's an absolute shame that we lost Granny and Mahara yeah. so soon, you know. So, yeah, and that would be so that'd be great to have that to talk about, yeah, what, you know, how Grant, you know, participated. I mean, really, you think of, this is a fan show, and you get yeah. someone like Grant and Mahara to come and be a part of that. Like, what was that like to have somebody yeah, exactly, like that on, yeah, on the set? But then he mm-hmm. also brought up a really cool idea that you know, we're working on, um, is a uh, he said, I guess that would explain what old merchandise is worth, trading cards, figures, etc. And you know to see if what's maybe some people have is a gold mine, yeah, you exactly. know. And so uh, we love to hear that we're working on that. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I used to uh, have a friend who used to work. I don't know if he still does or not. Work at Heritage Auctions here in Dallas, which is a large auction house where a lot of people will send their high end items to be auctioned off. I know a while back they had some Star Trek stuff that got auctioned off at uh, at the uh, Heritage. Um, really? 
Okay. Yeah, um, like phasers and you know old school phasers. Oh, wow. and like that. Yeah. So uh, it it came through here, and they handle a lot of really big. So they did some Beatles stuff. They've done some really big stuff. So uh, so yeah, Rob, we're working on that. Thanks to you, man. Appreciate you uh, bringing some stuff to the show. Um, uh, and so hey, you know, speaking today, of uh, speaking of the trading, speaking of the trading cards, I bought this. I bought this. I bought this hardcover book, and it's it's from actually the Tops company made it. Hmm. And it showcases all the old tops cards that oh, they wow. made the Star Trek. Yeah, so I, I so I'll flip through that book. I will look at like man, it's 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 like really really kind of cool. And just to say, man, just imagine if you had some of these cards, you know what they what they'd be worth right now. You know, yeah, so, yeah, because, especially for the rarity of it. You know, in yeah, general. yeah, because it's crazy. Because I went to uh, shout out Cooperstown Connection, one of uh, Hameen, one of Ben Hameen's uh, clients he does social media for. We went to. Uh, his other location, New Hartford, here, which is like about 10, 10 minutes away from my house. And we look at some of the trading cards he has there. He's got like Mickey Mantles there. He had Yogi Berra. Oh. I mean, like I, I was, I wanted to pull the trigger on the Mantle card because I, Mickey Mantle is one of my favorite mm. favorites. You know, baseball players. Even though I didn't watch him growing up, but watching old film, right. reading about him, you know, he was a pretty cool dude. So you know, and with and with, <coughs> with me being a huge Yankees fan, so. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's a legend. You can't, regardless of what you want to think, he was a legend. You can't, legend. You, you cannot deny that he is one of those. Like, that's the thing about baseball is it's almost at times we had mythical players playing yeah. the game, you know, where, you know, some feats that happen that you're just like, whoa, that's incredible. How do um, they do it? Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. We're, we're talking about, it's like, I heard this the other day. We're not going to ever see a Ricky Henderson ever again. Oh. Think about that. I mean, no. like the most, the most someone now steals in a, a season on the basis is like 30 bases. Yeah. 30. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Henderson was like 178 and 90 and 80. I mean, just, Dude was when he get on base, he's like that base is mine. You know, yeah. you know, just quick, fast. Dude could hit though. I mean, he was a he good fielder. Hit. Yeah, you know, what I mean, but just you know, he said I'm gonna steal bases, and, and then, you know, did an incredible job of making that. Almost, it's impossible. Nobody's gonna do that. Anymore. No, no. You know, I mean, I, yeah, it's just. And then also to another baseball player, someone like a Sandy Koufax. Yeah. I mean, the closest player, the closest guy that I've seen to Sandy Koufax is Jacob DeGrom of, the, of like the Mets. That season he had, yeah, where if he would have gotten three, I think it was, I think it was 2020 or 2019 that he had that great season. If he would have gotten, if he would have gotten like three to four runs worth of run support, dude would have won 31 games. Yeah. I think it was 2019. 2019, it, yeah, yeah, because it was right before COVID. It was that season yeah. before COVID. Yeah, they were talking he, about that. He would have won yeah. like if he had like games. three runs of runs score. If he got like four to five, he would have never lost the game. Yeah, that kind of, I mean, that's mythical pitching performance. Well, look at Nolan Ryan. I mean, oh geez. god, there's gonna be no one like Nolan Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that dude is like, I mean, nobody's gonna be touching that dude's record. No. You know, what I mean, yeah. seven no hitters and strikeouts, and I mean, dude, just. It, yeah. I, I read his book, you know, his his biography once, and they were talking about Nolan Ryan when he threw the ball, you didn't see it, you heard it. You, like, yeah. like he says, like you, you heard it. Like yeah. if it came anywhere near your head, you were you were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were times there. I forget it was a uh, it was either Reggie Jackson or somebody said strike one, strike two came on him, and he just started walking back. He goes, you "Got another back?" He goes, "No, you can take it. I don't want to get up there anymore." Yeah, exactly. you know? I mean, just. <laughs> it was, uh, 
you know, he was one of those guys that was incredibly intimidating. To, yeah. I mean, but stud, I mean, pitched into well into his 40s. Yeah. You know, and was consistent with it. Consistent like, in his 40s. He was winning in his 40s. Yes. I mean, Texas mid to Rangers. late 40s. Yes. Yeah. Mid, mid to late 40s. And hearing having Robin Robin uh, Ventura try to charge the mound on him. And here he is as a 40-something. Oh, he kicked his ass. Whipped his ass. You know, I mean, just, you know, I mean, again, like just building that legend of Nolan Ryan, you know, and who he is, you know, just. Fierce competitor yeah. on the mound, nicest man off the mound, and uh, just you know, y- you have those stories. Babe Ruth, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mythical, you know, guy. I think probably one yeah. of the first really mythical players. Yeah, you know, and uh, before that, Ty Cobb. You know, um, you know, just some of these guys that you're just Lou like, Gehrig. <coughs> Lou I mean, Gehrig. If, Lou if he Gehrig, I mean, there was boy. If his life would not have been cut short, dude, he would have been. I mean, he already he already had ten years in and. Yeah, this dude's driving in over 150, 160 RBIs in the 1920s. Yeah, and he's got Babe Ruth batting ahead of him. Yeah, he's got Ruth in the lineup too on top of it. I mean, Tim Williams. I mean, you got a guy who's who's on a Boston team that you know he's the he's it essentially. Yeah, you know, and him and Jimmy Fox. That was it. Was him and Jimmy Fox back then, and he's batting over a 400 career 400 hitter. (laughs) You know, I mean, like holy cow! Like, but like not just because he is in one season, like consistently for his entire career, which was stopped by World War War II. That he went and be a A a fighter pilot. Yeah, Willie Mays. If 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 Willie Mason didn't do his military service, he probably would have broken the uh, home run record. Yeah, you know, and just so many guys like that, you know, and it, that's the one thing I love about baseball is you you have it's a team sport, but you have those individual moments mm-hmm. that you know these players. I mean, yeah. whether whether you you know you you know you like the sport or not, you have to respect that these people are taking a round object and trying to hit a round ball. And you're going to fail seven out of 10 times and you're going to make a million dollars. You know, you're going to be good failing seven out of 10 times. Uh You know I mean? That it's just, and yet in those moments, you have these guys that set these records that you're like, there's no way, there's no Mm -hmm. way a human does this. There's no way a human does this. No one's going to hit. No, 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 no one's going to hit over 400. No, no one's going to be able to, because they're chunking for the finish. No one's going to steal bases anymore because they're not worried about getting on. They're not worried about being, you Mm -hmm. know, putting the ball in play. They're not worried about even hitting the opposite field. You know, I mean, it's no, you know, they've actually, they've actually banned the shift. Now they're going to ban the shift. For, yeah. And it's just like, well, if you're going to be a dumbass and not hit to that side of the field, I'm going to play you where you're going to hit it. You yeah. know, you know, but you know, but no, but you know, we Rob Manfred fucking, he's a local guy from Rome too, but he's a, he's not like, he's a fucking, Oh yeah. yeah, I'm not the biggest mm-hmm. fan of Rob Manfred because of his whole because of what he did with Atlanta and the pile and just so so, mm-hmm. so so fuck him. Well, I mean, it's just that that, that particip- participation mentality that's crept into baseball and uh, yeah. these other sports. You know, let's let's well let's let everybody have a chance to hit. Okay, um, I mean, I understand the DH rule. Nobody wants to see the pitcher hit because you know I don't mind that so much. That I don't every- know. Jacob J- Jacob Degrom wants to hit. He he can hit. Well, hey, you know, if you if you have a pitcher that can hit, and then you can put in a DH for somebody else, then hey, cool, go for it. But for the most part, you know, I mean, I don't want to see most pitchers hit because they don't give a crap about it anyway, and it's obvious. So, um, but you know, some of these other things, it's like, uh, well, let's let's not let's not have a shift because you know everybody needs to get a hit. Let's let's not break a hit, so they they all feel good and all feel comfortable. And no, 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 let's let's just play the sport how it was. 
Mm-hmm. You know, let's. It, it was a sport where we played and it was competitive. Let's make it that. But oh, oh, now you got me all wired up on baseball. I know, man. Baseball talk here on the <laughs> academy. I know, right? We should we should probably bring it back to them. Well, talk about these mythical figures. You look back at Star Trek, the mythical figures in Star Trek. I mean, the actors, William Shatner, George Takei. I mean, these characters that they DeForest found, Kelly. DeForest Kelly. I mean, James Doohan. I mean, you watch, like, I watch Rich on the Streets. I'm like, my God, these guys are so fucking good. Yeah. Like, because I watched Journey to Babel, where we first met Spock's father. Mm. And that whole thing of watching vintage, just like, it's like, my God, man. It's like how the, the actors are able to portray these. And then you watch, and then you just, it's just, it's unreal, man. Yeah. I, I it's just the, the there'll never be another William Shatner. There'll never mm. be another divorce. Never. William Shatner is the one of the greatest actors ever. And these people that want to bag on him, they can go eat a dick as far as I'm oh, yeah. as, but, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's like my, I come home one day and my kid I'm 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 I and my kids and he's watching TV and I walk for a second and I come back and I was like you watch Boston League? He goes, yeah. It's like, all right, my man, good, good choice. You know why? Because he loves show. he loves Denny Crane. I mean, mm-hmm. and he he loves you know William Shatner. Denny Crane. Denny Crane. Denny Crane. Yeah. You know, Denny so, Crane. yeah so, you know, we so that's like one of our running I mean, jokes. Yeah. And James, he helps, he'll say yeah. something, and I'll and I'll just go Denny Crane. You know, and I'll just like interrupt him with Denny Crane. You know, and because what, it's, it's and, funny. It's hilarious. And, and James Spader as well. Oh yeah. Oh you yeah. You watch him play. Raymond Reddington on the blacklist. You watch him play Alan Shore. His, Even his Robert California on The Office. Robert California on The Office. Stargate, Stargate, the original Stargate movie. Stargate I mean, and that, but what about Ultron? Is the voice of Ultron? Yes. How? Just, just. I mean, perfect. Uh, absolutely perfect. His voice when he did Ultron, I was just like, to to, to me, that was the the scariest, coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Because you have this AI taking over, and he has the voice of James. Oh my god, he's these these people are mythical actors. There's never mm-hmm. going to be another James Spears. There's never going to be another William Shatner, DeForest Kelly, George Takei, James Doohan. These guys, they're not coming. They're they're not coming along again. Mm-mm. They're not. No, you know, and it's so that's why we kind of do. So kind of get it back from baseball back to Star Trek. So. Yeah, but oh. you know, but the speaking of mythical, how about we bring about the mythical news since it's about 25 <laughs> the, minutes the, in? The mythical news, the news doesn't exist. Yeah, we don't have news. No, man, uh, no, no, we're just listen, listen, we're, we're just gonna talk baseball and wrestling, just fuck everything else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna sprinkle in a little Star Trek and a Star Trek podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, but let's let's go ahead and let's blow our bosun's whistle and let's bring about the news right now. All right, and so first story we have today um, is that Kate Mulgrew calls for Star Trek project characters to in a to be in a live action, and there's talk of it could be a, an, a as as a crossover event. They haven't said what yet, but they would mm-hmm. like to see them, and she says it's likely, you know, because uh, it would be a combination of prosthetics, makeup, puppetry, and CGI effects for some of these characters because. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have just a wide variety of different yeah. uh, species on this. And so I think it would be interesting to see, you know, in a way. Um, but what show would you cross over? 
that's really the big question, you know, um, if it's going to be a crossover or something along those lines. The only one I could think of crossing over because of similar timelines would be Lower Decks. Lower, lower Decks, yeah. That's it, Lower Decks. Yeah, because Picard's done. I mean, they're already filming. They're already in season three. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're about wrapped up. So yeah, they're about wrapped up in Picard. You, can, you can't do Picard, um, you know. You, you can't do Discovery because they're in the 31st century. Right. Unless you know. they go back in time. Right. Yeah. Um, you can't do Strange New Worlds because that's, uh, you know, 120 years, 150 years before, you know, Prodigy. Right. So, Lower Decks is the only one that you can really pair it up with. Right. For now. But, you know, you never know. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things that... Um, you know they'll figure it out. I mean, they've got they've got something I'm sure in mind. Kate Mulgrew doesn't say that for no reason. If there isn't, um, you know, if they're if, if they haven't figured something out and given her something, they're bringing a seven or nine series. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Well, because we did talk about that. That there might yeah. be a spinoff from uh, you know of seven of nine and uh, Rafi. You know, heard, yeah, doing their show. Mm-hmm. So uh, because they 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 did ask. Kate Mulgrew directly, is there any chance we'll see any of the characters in live action Star Trek in the future? And she says she leads across the chair and grins. I think there's a likelihood, actually. <laughs> and so, do you, but she doesn't say anything else. Um, there's coffee. There's coffee in that answer. Yes, we're going to yes. have a live. Uh... <laughs> yeah, right. But Alex Cartman did, you know, confirm that there is going to be a Star Trek Universe crossover coming up. So, again, that's why we can speculate and go what what would work and what would, you know. Uh, come about with those yeah. kind of things. So, the, would you would you want to see a live action, uh, you know, prodigy? Triple yeah, D? why not? You know, I'd, I'd love to see a live action. Yeah, because I'd like to see what they would do for for the for the uh, prosthetics. I I, I cannot prosthetics. I right. can, they could not say that word to save my life. <laughs> the prosthetics, the CGI, the costume, the makeup. Who would play? You know the character stuff. I'd love to see that. That would be that'd be something cool. And I actually enjoy Prodigy. I thought Prodigy was pretty good. Prodigy did teach, you know, for 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 young kids, they teach young kids a lesson. You know that no matter what, no matter you know what's going on in your life, no matter where you came from, you can strive and you can become something more than what people think that you are. So I like it. You know what? What's better than Star Trek? More Star Trek. Exactly. Let's do it up, baby. Let's do it up. Exactly. And with that said, uh, June 22nd is coming on, and that was the launch date for our friends across the pond in the UK and Ireland to start receiving transmissions of Paramount Plus. And yes. Badger, Mr. Badger is so happy right now. Archo Badger oh, yeah. is like, he's loving it right now. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, Strange New Worlds, it says they, uh, they dropped the first uh, – the first three episodes are available for Strange New Worlds, and it's going to be every Wednesday because they're five weeks behind right now um, uh, as far as that goes. But then, of course, every other Star Trek is there made available um, from, you know, all 10 episodes of Prodigy. Mm-hmm. Um, there is original series Picard, Lower Decks, um, you know, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, all that fun stuff, including all the movies. And mm-hmm. that doesn't even include the other things that are um available through cbs that you could get um, yeah like, like i've been watching the old hawaii 50 episodes I've been watching right that. you know which is really good <laughs> yeah and the new ones are on there too so yeah 
But with that said, with the launch of the successful launch of Paramount Plus uh, to the UK, they have now announced European launch dates for Germany, Switzerland, Austria, France, and Italy. So uh, Europe is now going to get Paramount Plus. Uh, let's see. Where did it go? Um, that they are looking forward to that launch. Um, it'll be called, uh, it says, for the rest of Europe. Uh, it'll be Sky Showtime and Claremont Plus will be available for that. Okay. Um, and so uh, they uh, they they have not they they're saying they've announced European launch dates, but I'm not seeing any dates. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Paramount Plus could expand for some of the biggest international markets: the UK and Ireland on six twenty two, South Korea on six sixteen. Mm-hmm. So South Korea is going to get Paramount Plus on six sixteen. And then um, let's see, um, France and Italy. It just says 2022. They didn't say they haven't given a date yet um, mm-hmm. on that. So uh, 6:16 apparently in South Korea, you can start getting some of these things. But they are looking at dates for um, for Europe this for this year. Um, so uh, that's kind of the big thing here um, is that they're going to have that. And then, uh, so it says, um, for the rest of Europe, outside of those guys, uh, of Germany, outside of Germany, um, let's see, let's see, is Germany, Switzerland, Austria, France, and Italy. Outside of those guys, everybody else, they were going to be, it's going to be Sky Showtime with Paramount because Comcast is partnered with them. Um, and it'll be, uh, uh, kind of Showtime, Peacock, and Paramount Plus. Uh, and it'll be available. Peacock. Yeah, you'll get the cock. The you know, cock. You know, you get the cock. Yeah. That, 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 the cock. rest of Europe, that'll be Albania, Andoria, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Bulgaria, Croatia, Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, Hungary, Kosovo, Montenegro, Netherlands, North Macedonia, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Serbia, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, and Sweden. Greece, so, Greece, Greece isn't on there, huh? Greece is not on there. So Greece is not in. Fuck the Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, I know, I know. Simon Whistler would be happy to get his Star Trek in the in, in the Czech Republic. Right. He's probably he's probably got NordVPN where he can like get that. He can go. He can log on to the American thing. And right. Then, yeah. Watch it. Yeah, I mean that's. Hey, by the way, if you live in the UK and you don't want to be five weeks behind, get Nord, Nord, Nord or Surfshark or Surfshark. Yeah, you know, whichever one of those, whoever wants to first make the rush to sponsor us, yeah, um, so that we can put it on our stuff and we can promote you even better. Um, you know, put that on there, and uh, that way you can uh, pretend to be American and watch, you know, in real time. Exactly. Watch, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, so you can roll up at like four in the morning on on Thursday and start watching that early whenever it drops. So. Um, it doesn't drop that early. Um, it, it, I think it's Thursdays at like six, oh, but Thursdays like at six a.m. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> John, how would you know, John? Uh, <laughs> I, I choose not to say. I, I with I, I was my Fifth Amendment rights. So I reserve my Fifth Amendment. Really. Yeah, I reserve my Fifth Amendment rights. Um, I'm not. No, I don't do it legally. I just do it, you know, differently. Um, and so, but yeah, it's it's uh that. So if you're if you're not getting Paramount Plus and you live in Europe, those are your next things. You, you're going to be the next people to start getting it, um, specifically for Paramount Plus. If you live in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, France, and Italy, Paramount Plus is coming to you this year. 
So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, and also on the lookout, um, so Nico Martin Green kind of talks uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 5. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she says, expect the unexpected for Season 5. Um, and she says, uh, that's kind of the theme for Season 5 is expect the unexpected. Well, and- good, okay, because it was expect the expected on Season 4 and it sucked. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And so, uh, and she does say that more Tilly. Tilly should be back on the show. Um, had, will be making more of an appearance than she did in season four. Um, and there's talk about will they be doing crossovers with any of the legends like Next Generation or anything along those lines. Um, and she said uh, she wants to work with him and she very much a supportive of a crossover episode and getting the opportunity to work with people. Um, but there's nothing that has been discussed that will be season five as of yet. So, uh, you know, uh, that is that is one of those things where um, we're not getting anything yet, especially with season five, but mm-hmm. who knows down the road, there might be a special crossover event or episode of three, yeah. you know, to five episode mini series or something like that where there's crossovers. But we do know that Sonika Martin Green and Kate Mulgrew have worked together. Um, oh, you really? Know, you know, um, um, was it, uh, Orange is the New Black. Oh, okay. You know, they, they were both on that show together. Um, and uh, so it's uh, it's definitely something that we can, uh, you know, so there's Triple D, there's just been a lot of talk about crossovers mm-hmm. and people want to see this. What yeah. would be your ideal crossover to, you know, I know we're basically giving Kurtzman the booking, we're taking the book from him and we're booking it for him. But Damn sure we are. What is, what is your ideal crossover using the current iteration of shows that are in production right now? I have to say it'd be Discovery and Strange New Worlds crossover. Okay. That would, to me, that would make, logically, would make the most sense. You have Discovery go back in time to maybe help Pike and the Enterprise defeat something that has ramifications in the future, so they go back in time to help them out. You have the the the, reu- the reuniting of Spock and his sister, you know, mm. Pike and the crew there, you know. It just makes everything a little bit more, you know, it makes everything, you know, just it, it because it's characters that Star Trek fans know it'd be good that way. Right. Uh, maybe another crossover. You know, I mean, really, because that's it, really. Because, I mean, you really can't. The only way you could cross over Picard is if you do it with lower decks and you do it an animated version of it. Mm-hmm. You know, but then. Picard is kind of serious and lower decks is kind of silly. So it's, you know, would you make Picard silly? So there's that. And once mm. again, you can, you can do discovery. You can do where they go back in time again. So it's, right. it's just, but to me where it makes more sense. Logically it's discovery and strange new worlds. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I couldn't begin to tell you, I mean, it's, it's hard to, put these shows together because they are such different timelines, except for like, yeah. you know, like you said, Picard and Lower Decks or, you know, are somewhat similar. But like you said, one's a cartoon, one's live action. Which one gets brought to real life? Which one has become made the funny show? Which one's serious? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot to figure out there. And so um, I just got to say this. If you're going to, if, if you're watching right now, just enjoy what we're doing. Do this last episode, you know, episode yeah, eight of Strange New Worlds. Good was amazing it was, it was amazing. such a good show it was 
I mean, I keep saying every week that this episode was the best one, but this was easily the best one so far yeah. uh, that they've done. It's been great. Uh, and if you're not watching the Orville, make sure you're checking that out. They had an incredible episode this week that was, whew, again, like both episodes made me kind of, you know, tear up a little bit. They were really, really good. Yeah. Um, it was so good. So if you're not watching either of those, make sure you're checking those out. Um, but the last new story that we have um, uh, is that IDW is celebrating 50 years of Star Trek, 15 years of Star Trek comics Woo-hoo! with a special 400. Shout out IDW. Yeah. And a new Lower Deck series. And they have this really cool uh, picture of the Star Trek 400. And it's all in Lower Decks animation. Um, but like you have like uh, the hologram doctor taking care of the drunk Klingon from before. <laughs> and you have uh, Tom Paris and the Borg Queen kind of together with Tom Paris's plate. And then <laughs> you've got Worf yes. and uh, uh, what's his name from Lower Decks, the security guy that's over oh, um... the Bajoran guy. Um, oh god, what's uh, I know uh, it's like Jax. No, it's um, Shax. Uh, so you got Warford Shax in the bar, and they're arm wrestling. And Troy and uh, Troy's got her hand on her, on her nose like this, and Riker's like cheering him on. And then uh, Badgie's chasing uh, uh, Harry Kim, Badgie, yeah, try to kill Harry Kim. And then you got Blimbler, he's got. Uh, getting Picard, who's in the more modern uniform that we see in the Picard, signing his book with Q, kind of standing right behind him, you know, bugging Boy, him. Her. And then you've got, uh, let's see, you've got... Uh, you got see, a Mariner. Who's Mariner yeah. with? Uh, uh, I haven't seen... So I'm, I'm looking at the picture, but uh, I don't see everything. Uh, oh, Mariner's on the table with the Klingon from the Lower Decks episode where they showed all the different Lower Decks from oh, the yeah, yeah. And then Tindy's right there. And then Mariner's mom is looking at her like crazy. Um, <laughs> you got Quark at the bar with Morn. Uh, yes. You got Data just kind of staying in there doing nothing. Uh, then you've got, let's see, uh, uh, cybernetic guy from Lower Decks. Uh, Rutherford. Rutherford is being chased by Miles O'Brien. Uh, <laughs> you know, so then it's, oh it, this, this picture is a riot. It's a, uh, um, so let me see here. Uh, basically reading off of it. So uh, it says here that IDW has been publishing comics since 2007 and this September, they'll be celebrating the 400th issue from the franchise. So, uh, it says this case will be memorized with a special one shot full of stories from across the Star Trek eras, including a TNG story by Will Wheaton. Uh, also arriving in September. Oh, fuck we Will Wheaton. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Also arriving in September with the launch of the first comic tie into the Star Trek Lower Decks. There will also be new issues from Mirror War series and the Star Trek Picard Beautiful. Stargazer series. Uh, we'll have his first covers and details from it. So Star Trek 400 is their celebration of it. And this is what uh, the press release from IDW says. Celebrate IDW's 400th issue of Star Trek comics with this monumental issue highlighting fan favorite eras of the acclaimed series. This collection brings this collection of names brings together Star Trek comics veterans an equal celebration of IDW Star Trek comics past and future. Join uh, Kayla Detmer as seen in Star Trek Discovery, Adventures mm. in the 32nd Century on a new expedition. Uh, she visits the Kelvin universe, witness a heartfelt tale by TNG's Raylan Wheaton, and more by Chris Eliopoulos, which is, I oh, guess, great. great. Uh, yeah, baby. Declan Shalvey, uh, Rich Hanley, and Mike Johnson with art by Luke Sparrow, Seth DeBose, 
Megan Levins, Angel Hernandez, and Joe Aizma. And so there's going to be five different covers. The first one is a, like, I guess when you open it up front and back. Yeah. On the front where it says Star Trek, you have Kirk um, kind of with his chin like this. You have her right next to him. Yeah, it's the you same have, like this. So you got yeah. this, and then you got the inside cover, and then on the back you've got yeah, one so, cover there, and then. Yeah. So this yeah. one is, it's got Data, Sulu, and most of them. And then you have Q, a board cube. You have some of the ships, uh, Pike, uh, stuff like that. Second one you're going to have is uh, uh, you have Discovery, Voyager, original series Enterprise. You have, uh, looks like the movie uh, oh. Enterprise and, and the D. Um, and then you have all the different characters. Um, looks like mirror and everything into the 400 that's on the screen there. <clears throat> the next one is different iterations of Spock. So, oh, nice. um, on the 400th issue, another one is uh, all the different characters, but they're kind of like baby eyes a little bit, like little <laughs> little kitty. And then the the last one is the one I was telling you about with all with like front to back. You know, if you opened it all the way with all the different characters that are in the lower decks version. So um, that's that one right there. And then the lower decks mini series. It'll be a three-issue miniseries, uh, priced at uh, $3.99, and it'll be tied to the Lador Lower Deck series. And it says they will, um, uh, soon after leading her crew on a planetary expedition aimed at building bridges and advancing Federation technology, Captain Freeman begins to suspect that the planet and its people are not what they seem. Meanwhile, the crew in the Lower Decks take to the holodeck, enjoying some much-needed recreation time <laughs> until a bloodthirsty visitor decides to join in in their games. So... Uh, so uh, and then so the the first the first there's three covers for this one. The first one's gonna be the main cover. It's you know, it's really cool, but the phrase for rarely going where no one has gone before is what it says <laughs> for that. And then the second one is uh is uh Mariner, she's holding a phaser, and then Blumler basically from here down has no clothes on. And <laughs> she, she goes, Oops, I guess this one had a little power left in it. So <laughs> basically she phasered off his clothes. And he's just in his underwear right there. Oh, that's great. And then uh, then the other Lower Decks one is going to be, uh, has some of the, uh, back when Spock and them did uh, Sherlock Holmes, it has Blimler as Sherlock Holmes and Rutherford as Watson and Tindy and different characters there um, kind of tying it all in. So it looks to be fun. Uh, it'll be a fun, if it's anything, if people from the show, it'll be a good series. And then the yeah. last, last thing that they're releasing, this is all in September, mind you. The last thing they're releasing in September is Stargazer number two. Um, so the first one will have come out in August. And then, uh, so Stargazer number two, um, we, we see there's three different covers. One of them shows Seven of Nine wearing her Star Trek, Trek uniform on the top. But on the bottom, she's wearing her Fenris Ranger outfit. So um, it's very interesting look to see uh, mm -hmm. what happens there. And then there's a, um, oh, sorry, there's another one, a one-shot Star Trek Mirror War. And it's focusing on Deanna Troy for the Mirror War. So um, definitely, uh, IEDW is pulling out all the stops this this September for these comics, especially with the 400th one shot coming out. So Triple D, I know you've read a lot of the comics more than I, I have. have. I have read um, a lot of comics, and it's 15 years now. How do you feel IEDW's done with the property since they've taken it over? Amazing. IEDW's done a great job with with the property. They've really paid attention to the small details, tying things in continuity. I mean, I mean the star Trek year five 
I think is 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 probably some of the greatest storytelling in Star Trek ever. Mm. There's that. There's once again with the mirror, you know, the mirror war universe saga. It's just great. I mean, everything that IDW has done with Star Trek has been great. Then then plus two with the crossovers as well, you know, that they've been able to do. I it what what more can you say? IEW is really, really, you know, the Star Trek layer and Star Trek comic universe is to me head and shoulders above any other sci-fi franchise. Mm. And it's better than Star Wars. It's it's you know, definitely not better than Star Wars. Mm. You know, that's where they've really succeeded in that way, I thought, you know, and then on top of it too, with so but no, IEW's done a great job. Yeah. It was a, a good move. It was a good move by paramount to give them the rights to produce the star trek comics great great move on mm. part. well i mean i'm looking forward to it it's on my it's on my birthday christmas list so uh for year five for sure uh so i'm looking forward to if that comes about getting it mm-hmm. um but you know i think um i'm gonna try to get all of them so i, I love the covers for it uh the, which one? one the covers for the uh well, all of them. Yeah, yeah, so like I'm looking at it right now. So the first one um, for year five is um, Odyssey's in. Odyssey's in. Second one is uh, wine, what? wine, wine, dark wine deep. deep, wine dark deep, which is a wine dark deep. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful cover for that. Yeah. Um, and then book three, weaker than man. Mm-hmm. You know that that cover. You know, great, love it. Um, I'm I'm doing a little shopping while. <laughs> I'm on Amazon looking I mean, at yeah, it. Yeah, I mean it's just and it's it's three books, right? For yeah, you know, and then uh and then they have apparently they have uh Star Trek Classics, the Mirror Universe Saga by Mike W. Barr. Hmm. Um which it's the it's Mirror Universe, but it's them in the movie uh outfit. Yeah, I you know hold on for a second. Hold on. Just wait one, just wait one, just wait one second. I think I got that one, John. Hold on. Yeah, all right. Is it this one right here? Uh, yeah. That yeah. One. This one's fucking good, man. Yeah. I this one's good. So, so they have this one, and then hold on, I'm gonna grab one more to show you, which is which is an older one. I think it was one of the probably the first one that I did that IDW did. In case you, for those of you not watching, Triple D has left. He's going to no, find. I'm sorry, this I'm sorry, John. I thought mm-hmm. I had, I thought I had an early one, but the one I got is uh, Revisitations, and it's actually yeah. DC. So oh, okay, so so DC actually had the Star Trek. DC did a lot of the Star Trek comics before IDW took over. Which, to get me wrong, DC's good, but Star Trek probably got it. Probably got like washed away in the DC because yeah. Batman, Aquaman, you know, Wonder Woman, that's DC's main moneymaker. So. Yeah, kind of the same way that Marvel did with Star Trek. I mean, Star Wars. Yeah, Star um, Wars, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it didn't, it felt less than when it was there. 
when yeah. it was outside of it. When you when you have to me, when you have an independent publisher who you know can focus on that and don't have other major properties, it feels like it's there's more yeah. service done to it. You yeah, know? because because that is the independent publisher. That is their major property. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they can and, put all their focus in on that. So. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, to me, I, I think IDW has done an incredible job. Um, you know, it's it's definitely um, something that has been, um, you know, worth checking out. Uh, wow. You can get some of the uh, s- singles already. So, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, on Amazon. So the Cisco Mirror War one that I was telling you about, apparently that's available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and of course you can get the books, but uh, let's see, Data. You can get Data. He's the first one um, as far as the singles go. Um, yeah, so you can already get Cisco and Data. Um, Captain LaForge, Jordy Mirror War. Oh wow! Um, you can check that one out. So they, gotcha. Yeah, they, there's some. So they've already got some uh, some of this one shots already out. So if you want to go to Amazon and find some of those, um, you can check them out. But uh, I, again, IDW has done a great job with with these things. Uh, they've really told some great stories, um, and I think I think well worth you know your time to mm-hmm. invest in reading some of those things. If you oh can. yeah, so um, I, I'm looking forward to that. You know, especially September with with some of these releases. I think it'll be cool. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to these graphic novels that will be coming out. Yeah, no, graphic novels are. It's just the it's the it's the best way to read everything. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. So you get everything you you get everything in, in one shot. You don't have to worry about buying separate comics and this and the other things. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's all the news we have for today. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let us go ahead and uh, get ready and summon our black alert right now. Hell yeah. And we're going to be talking about our main point today, which is brought to us by none other than James Money MacGyver. And what we are going to be doing is we're going to, Money be, throwing, we're going to be throwing out names of different ships. And we're going to be saying what kind of sh- the ship and we're going to say if it, what kind of classic car it brings us Hell to mind. Oh, yeah. So, you know, so uh, I, if you, I'm going to get started, I'm going to start with the easiest one, the Defiant. To me, that's a hot rod. You know, any kind of tea bucket, kind of roadster type, just engine and not much else. We're going to throw that. You're going to put the biggest engine we can on a car and mm-hmm. put it stripped down as possible so it can go as fast as it can. I you was going to I was going to compare the 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 uh, Defiant to a. You know what? I was either either I was going to compare it to a Pontiac, a 66 Pontiac GTO. Or the 1963 Galaxy lightweight, you know, AFX car with the 420 with the 427 big block in it. See, you know? I would I would say that, but I think maybe even better would be a Shelby Cobra 427. Yeah, you know, yeah, to me, you're right. Yeah, there you go, right there. Yeah, that Shelby, to me, yeah, yeah, Cobra, yeah, definitely Cobra, Cobra. in a, in a fine because you, you're putting yeah. a big ass engine in big a light light car, yeah. and you're just telling them to go for exactly, it. exactly, yeah. You know, sure. so I mean, and of course, if you've saw you've seen Ford versus Ferrari, you saw what it did to did to uh, Henry Ford the second, you know, making him piss his pants and cry. That, that you know? car, <laughs> I mean. The, the the Ferrari Slayer, 
Yes. I mean, that motor was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the light, light, light frame of that yes. car, yeah. you know, to me, a Shelby Cobra and Defiant are synonymous with each other. Definitely. And I think maybe that's why subconsciously I always like the Defiant. You always love You love the Defiant. <laughs> Defiant's <laughs> well, your shit. My favorite car is a 1965 427 Shelby Cobra. Yeah. You know, with, yeah, that's, you know, blue with a white racing stripe down the middle. Yeah, you know? I mean, just. That's... You know, just a pearlescent blue. Ticket, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, just, you oh, know, man. just rolling down the street with that sucker, you know, open top, not the racing version. But the open top <laughs> version. Oh, man. I'm talking. Whew. I you mean, have to, you have to, you have to wear earplugs because it's so loud. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you're not talking to the person in the car. You're not listening to music. You're just listening to the sound of you're the road. You're listening to the motor. You yeah. Know? And that's it. I mean, that's you're just, nuts. your butt is just scraping along the side of the, <laughs> you know, and you are low to the ground and you yeah. are booking it. And I mean, that's the, the, to me, that's the defiant. It felt that. It felt that kind of compact. Yeah. It had this big ass engine that can go, what, 9.9, you know, and more yeah. if needed and just, you know, it was literally that they said that, you know, sometimes it would, you know, fly off its frame, which is some of the problems that Shelby had with the engine. Yeah. Sometimes they would twist the frame and they'd have to reinforce them and, yeah. you know, work on them to make them better. So, um, you know, it, it's in, you know, in the, in, you have similarities in, you know, having um, uh, not not Shelby Cobra, but uh, uh, Ken, um, Ken Davis, you yeah, know, Ken who Davis. was the driver working on the car, knowing what it does. Cisco, having worked with the Defiant. Knowing what to do to fix it, works on it, and that's how he gets his ship. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, having that similarity, you know, uh, between the driver knowing how to work on the car and how to make it better, Cisco knowing about the Defiant and how to make it better mm-hmm. to make it this just you know badass ship. You know, it, it, it's it's a symbol of cool and badassery that just, it is. They coincide together, and the stories are very similar. And you have to wonder if somebody in Star Trek wasn't a car nut to kind of. Had that coinciding or, surprised. I or is it just surprised. a very, very close coincidence? And we're just making we're pairing things together because we're car guys and Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. Oh man. So I'll go. I'll pick okay. the, the OG, the NCC 1701 Enterprise. All right. I'm going to compare that too. Now it can be foreign or it can be American, correct? Yeah, right. Any kind of All classic right. car. All mm-hmm. right. So the NCC seventeen oh one. I I'm comparing that to now. Mind you, this is this is the the flagship of the Federation at the time, True. the fastest ship at the time. Experimental. Uh, everything was kind of experimental, correct? Right. Yeah. I'm comparing it to the nineteen to a nineteen sixties Mercedes Benz three hundred SCL, the first time they put a six point three liter V eight in it. Okay. It was something that Mercedes wanted to do. They they took. They're small. They took their four door car with a 300 SEL and they're like, Oh, can we put big V8 inside 300 SEL? And that's what they did. So that's what I, so I, whenever I think I see the original Enterprise, it makes me think just the clean lines and everything else of that ship. It reminds mm-hmm. me of that old Mercedes, how beautiful it was and how beautiful that ship was and how it was the flagship of Mercedes. You know, it, it, right. It used to be the 600 grocer. No, it was a 300 SCL with the 6.3. That was the flagship of Mercedes. And seeing that car, and just it, to me, I it, it just, I, I watch, I see the original Enterprise, and that's the car that I think of. It just comes to mind, you know? And yeah. Two of my favorite vehicles. Yeah. And if you, if you can find a 300 SCL, they're they're probably going to run you eighty or ninety thousand yeah. dollars, and for a really good one, it's going to be one hundred and twenty grand. But oh, yeah. 
you know, you have one. I mean, that car could do 130, 140 miles, uh, 140 miles an hour. It was ridiculous. Those cars. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid great fast. Car. Yeah. Great car. You know, I mean, and I think, uh, you know, good choice for that car. I think they, again, synonymous with what you would think of. Yeah. Especially because we know there were, what, 10 or 12 Constitution classes and like only four survived, you yeah. know, or something like that, something crazy because they were all frontline ships, mm-hmm. um, pushing to the edges of space. And we, we all know different things happened to those different ones. The fact that the enterprise lasted for as long as it did, you know, was pretty incredible, yeah. um, in that aspect. And so, uh, me, I'm gonna go with another enterprise, I'm gonna go with uh, Mr. Badger's favorite, the D. The um, D. Yeah, now, so now the D, so with the D, I'm thinking, you know. There's it's it's luxury it's it's still badass but it's still luxury so I'm gonna go like a Land slash Range Rover. Uh, I like it. You know, I like it. I like you know, that because yeah. it, it's still designed to be rugged and go off road and do the places that you need to go. Yeah, and maybe some places you weren't expected to go, but yet you still do it with comfort and class and style, which is you know the kind of the running joke a lot of people say is that the D is like that apartment in space. It's kind of <laughs> you know the you, you got the plush comforts, but you're still on the edge of space with your family. So, hey, you want to take your family off-roading, let's do it in a Range Rover or, you know, the classic Range Rover or the Discovery. It's a Raz and Flying. Listen, it's a hotel Raz and Flying in space. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, you know, so, hey. Oh, my God. You want to take, you know, you want to rough it with your family? Let's do it in a Land Rover, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those, you know, those things are in the Range Rover. Those things are classic for that aspect of it. Uh, we'll break all the time, kind of like the Enterprise seems to do. Uh, you know, we'll have a, have a problem every now and then. And, uh, you know, that'll always be the case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I think if you're going to compare, I think those are, are very good comparisons. Yeah, for, great comparison. Yeah. For that. So so that's that's my next ship was the D. All right. Comparing it to a Range Rover slash Land, right. Land, Land Rover. I am going to go. You're, you're going to laugh for this. Okay. I'm going to go with the Excelsior. Okay. Now we all know how big the Excelsior was. Yes, very monstrous big. ship, monster compared yes. to the Constitution class. Yeah, the Excelsior, you saw that. You saw that in uh, three. You know I mean, yeah, how big, big it was. How big is that fucking ship? Yeah, I'm going Buick Deuce and a Quarter, man. <laughs> Holy shit! Deuce and a quarter, baby. Yeah, that's Dude. how big that shit is. The Deuce and a quarter was the biggest fucking car made by Buick. You know the old massive. saying goes, "You know how big you know heavy a Buick is." Well, that's that's the Excelsior, man. She's a big yeah. girl, okay? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Deuce and a quarter. Buick. Yeah, talk about the thick thighs save lives, man. Yeah, t- <laughs> thicker than a snicker, man. Oh my god, Buick. But but the thing though, the Deuce and a quarter could still fucking move though. For yeah. How big of a car it was. So that's what I'm going. Deuce and a quarter for the Excelsior. Deuce and a quarter. The Excelsior slash Enterprise B is the Deuce and a quarter. Deuce and a quarter. That is, that is, you know, but yeah, like you said, it can still move. (laughs) It's still still comfortable. You know, it was an upgrade from, you know, the the series before. But, you know, I mean, you have that. So I I guess we have to talk, you know, the Enterprise E. Um, yeah. Let's talk that one. I, you know, oh, this is. I I think I know what the Enterprise is. Okay, you, you have an idea. How about I'll I'll tell you. Then you tell me what you think. Okay, all right. all right, all right. So so like when you think Enterprise D, you, you think okay, we we did the apartment in space, the luxury thing, but we're at a point now where we gotta we gotta fight. You know, it's gotta be sleek, clean lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's gotta move. It's gotta be able to just yeah. You know, look great, but be able to you know, pack it in and punch it when it needs to, mm-hmm. um, you know, man, just with the lines and everything on it, I've got to go like a Ferrari, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, like because it. it's just got those clean, sleek lines, mm-hmm. very smooth, low profile, but man, sucker can boogie. You know, I mean, it mm-hmm. could. You know, I mean, think about it. They were in like over near um, Deep Space Nine when Battle Zero Zero One or whatever happened, and they went across a sector like that to get there yeah. to fight. You know, I mean, they 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 booked it, and mm-hmm. they they were it was the fastest ship in the fleet at the time, mm-hmm. and designed to do certain things and. You know, still be comfortable, but yet it's going to whip some butt, you know. And so, uh, you know, you think about Ferraris, man, they are just beautiful. But when you try to go toe to toe with them, they will beat you off the line every time. You know, it it, it had that sense of handmade quality to the Yeah. Compared to like the mass produced look of the of the D, you know, which is which is what you get from a Ferrari. Ferrari is not mass produced. It is handmade, Mm -hmm. you know, quality over you know quantity yeah. and so uh i'm i went with a ferrari for the but i'd love to hear what you think the e Mc, is mclaren p1 oh there okay all right mm. so we're in the similar boat the yeah, high yeah. supercar supercar yeah we're in the high end because i mean this is what the ship was it was uh yeah. it was starfleet's experimental warship really i mean they built the ship to fight to, to fight the Borg and to be the most powerful ship in the entire universe, yeah, which it was, you know. So, so to, to me, it's like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, I was thinking maybe like a Corvette, like Zeal One, something, mm-hmm. but that's like a McLaren, it's like a McLaren P1. You're talking about the yeah. lines, everything, it's just, yeah, it's a McLaren P1. Yeah. Now, I would say a Corvette would be closer along the lines of an Akira class ship, you know, you know, come out new. Yeah. But you know, not quite your your E and your Defiant, but it's still a good quality car. Can still oh, yeah. move. You know, has good lines to it, especially this new this new Corvette that's out the the eight or whatever with yeah. you know, the, the mid engine design. You know, it's it's the newest one. It's cool, but it's not. It's more budget friendly. You're not blowing the bank for it. Yeah, but it still meets all your needs. It's that midlife crisis car. That's good, <laughs> and that's. That's I would say the Cure class is closer to that Corvette see, kind of yeah. thing you're you're doing because you, you still got those slick lines, the low kind of it's the new Miranda mm-hmm. class, you know that looks but it looks cool and uh, you know going for that you know look to it. Um, uh, all right, so I, this is one I didn't think you didn't know you would think you'd do, but the Cerritos, uh, the, the Cerritos, the, Calif- the California class. You want me? You want me to guess on the Cerritos? I like you. Me? What do you think I guessed for this for the, the California Cer- class? The California class. Oh God! Let's see. It's it's a utilitarian ship. I'd probably say like a Chevy, like a Chevy Silverado diesel, like a, like a diesel pickup truck. Actually, I went closer to what most people associate California with. I went with a VW Bug. You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I like that. I like that. You know, you know, it, you can you can configure it to do lots of different things, or even yeah. VW oh, yeah. van. Yeah. But you know, it's not super powerful. It's not intimidating it's just it's there it's a workhorse it'll do mm-hmm. what you need to do no frills very inexpensive to put together very inexpensive to to take care of but we'll do everything you need to do get from a to b and you know haul what you need and get what you need and then you can use it to do different things i mean mm-hmm. so to me the california class aka the cerritos is a volkswagen Bug slash, I like it. You know, uh, van type. That's a that's a that's a great comparison. Yeah, yeah, that is a really great comparison. So I'll uh, I will do another ship. I'm going to do the retrofit Enterprise. Okay. I know this is the retrofit. I mean, you look at the retrofit Enterprise. The the well, I'm sorry. The 
the the the movie Enterprise. Okay. How beautiful it is, the lines, everything else. The 09 movie or the original or or the original movie? Like the original movies. Okay. All right. The, the uh refit. I, I have the constitution refit. I gotta say to, to me when I think when I see that ship, the car reminds me of God, it like it like reminds me of like a sixty like you know, like a sixty nine or nineteen seventy Corvette with the Mako mm. shark body on it. That's yeah. what it reminds me of. Okay. S- sleek. Just beautiful lines. Nothing protrudes. Everything is the way it should be. Mm. You know, subtle yet, yet absolutely gorgeous, and fast as all hell too. You know, mm-hmm. so to me, that's I think of like a '69 Mako Shark. So okay. the Mako Shark. Bye. How about you, John? What would you compare that to, John? So I would say the Mako Shark would be the 09 model, uh, the, 09. the 09 movie model. Okay. Yeah, you know, because of the bulbous back end. You know, kind of you have that bulbous back end and the Corvette there, um, but you have that front end that's still kind of you know unique and everything. Mm-hmm. Same with the ship, um, because there's just you know the 09 movie takes some of the things from the original movie in the, in the classic TOS series, but then just kind of amps it up a little bit. And, yeah. you know, I, I think gives it more of that hot rod Corvette kind of look, mm-hmm. you know, for me. And so the retrofit, um, you know, I would say, you know, I would say, honestly, if anything, you would take your three, your 300 SEL and whatever they use to upgrade it, you know, because. So, so, so you think, so it'd be a, uh, 450 SEL with yeah. the 6.9, yeah. Yeah, you know, because... I, I mean, was thinking about, like, I was thinking about saying that, but I'm like, you know, it's just something something with that and, like, the 69 vet. I don't know. To me, it just to me it just seems to vibe a little bit. Right. So. That's that's where I was, like, you know, more of the 450 with the next... Because it's that next upgrade. It, it wasn't, nice, yeah. it wasn't, like, it wasn't, you know, yes, it cleaned up the lines a little bit, and, and but there wasn't overly dramatic in a difference in the yeah. sense of you know we got okay this is everything we changed a little bit here in the missiles and here and, and but it wasn't like yeah. a dramatic refit kind of like we see where we have to add a letter to it you know mm-hmm. the b the d you know things along those lines and that's where i like i liken the 09 model to that make a you know shark yeah. look to it because of the wider back end with mm-hmm. the nacelles and the, the sleeker kind of front end and look and that angleness a little bit of it that kind of lean and had looking towards it um, along those lines. So uh, that would be that would be my thought process on it. Um, all right, let's uh, here's one uh, probably a like a Vulcan you know one of those Vulcan uh, long the, the ring ships with the ring ship. You know, I'm I'm thinking specifically of the Serac class where it's just a long needle with the ring around it. I'm gonna go with Tucker. Because you know they had that bullet point. Yeah, the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and, and then you had the rest of the, and then you had that bulbous kind of back yeah, part to it. Tucker, yeah, the You had that was... that bullet point, you know, front. Yeah, nose that's there. fucking great, man. So, so I was thinking for a Vulcan, which is our first alien ship that we're talking about. Yeah, I was. Know. Yeah, I was gonna say the Tucker or heck, or even an Auburn Botel. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, that'd be a great one. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for that. Um. I, someone even said like a 1905 Dussel Dusseldorf. You know. Like, you know those. How it had that long kind of. You know. Yeah. Uh, front. You know the V12 front end and that sucker that yeah. was just so long. You know. <laughs> had like 16 cylinder engine. Yeah. In it. You're like, what the hell? 
But it ran for like two minutes. You could go down the street and turn around and run it on gas and you have to come back, you know. I mean, oh my god, you know, those things that they would come out with. But it was, but you know, I think if we're going to be more practical with it, um, and it's more modern ish, I, I that's where I would go with the Tucker on that one, um, you know, for that. Unless mm-hmm. you looked at the earlier Enterprise versions of those ships, yeah, I would say one of those Dusseldorfs that you know, they're just they're the long front ends on those mm-hmm. things, and then you had the bigger kind of back half where the passenger sit, and that would be your ring ship along those lines. So, all right, so I've thrown out the first alien ship uh, with its comparison. So, Triple D, you don't have to go alien, but what's your next mm. thought process and ship? I gotta go Klingon Bird of Prey. Okay, all right. So, we all know the Bird of Prey. It's, uh, it's, a, very, it's a very utilitarian warship. Aggressive. It, aggressive. It knows what it wants to do. There's no frills in it. There's nothing to it. To me, I gotta compare that to just your, just your fucking, just out of control, like you know, drag car. So basically, okay. you take like a nineteen, uh, like a nineteen sixty, like like a nineteen sixty five. Um, okay, how about this? Now you take your nineteen sixty five Ford Galaxy. Okay, sixty six Ford Galaxy. No. 63 for a galaxy afx lightweight car there's no frills in it there's nothing you do you know what it's got it's got a big ass seven liter v8 and at the same v8 that was in that's in the shelby's fiberglass hood fiberglass trunk you know mm. basically suspension was set up on it in 1963 that car ran a quarter mile in 12 in like in like 12.6 seconds in 1963, a car that still weighed close to 4,000 pounds on skinny bias tires that did that. Mm. It was a it was a, it was an aggressive killer at the at the track. And the crazy thing was, just just like just like just like the bird of prey, you can't tell. Mm. It was it was like it was like basically had a cloak on it because you look at it like. There's really no defining marks on the car. There wasn't any badging on it or or anything. The car was white, had a red vinyl interior. It was utilitarian. But the minute you heard the engine start up, you're like, oh shit, this car means business. So that's kind of what I compare the bird of prey to. Something something like that, which would basically be, you know, their factory racer. That was Ford's factory racer. Like like a Chevy, um, almost almost like the Chevy Mako Core, like the Chevy. Corvette with the 67 with the 427 in it where mm. it didn't come with a heater, nothing. It was that was meant to fucking go to the track and race. That was a track car. Mm. Something like that. That's that's what I would compare the bird of prey to. What do you think, John? Uh if see, you know, when you brought up bird of prey, the first thing I thought of was a like a 1996, 97 Dodge Viper. You know, with the V twelve, no, okay. no, no ABS, no yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, just I like the, the not the not the rebrought one back when the way you had nah. traction control and all that. Yeah, fuck that, like that traction. With, control. And it only had a V ten. I mean, the V twelve Viper with no traction control, no whatever. It was just you, was the car, and just running down the tracks and just like, you know, it, it was aggressive. It was designed to look aggressive. Yeah. I mean, to me, that was a bird of prey all the way. I like that um, you know, at all. So, uh, all right. So the next ship I want to bring up is the Ambassador class, uh, the Ooh. the Enterprise C. So 
because you kind of we we kind of we we're kind of we had that's we're, the only enterprise we have in this guy's yeah exactly that was the enterprise and so um this one was harder because um you know the way I think about it is um I'm gonna I'm gonna call it like a Cadillac Eldorado you know because it it was a it was a big ship it, mm-hmm. it can move but it was kind of forgotten you know it's kind of just yeah. kind of there you know it was a something what year what year Eldorado would you would you think? I would say like a seventy two to seventy five era somewhere. Yeah. You know, because it, it was there. It was something yeah. that you know it was another I big was, car, yeah, but it was I'll, nothing stand out or descriptive yeah. about it. You know? I was going to say sixty nine. Well, see, sixty nine was still kind of unique in that look and design. Whereas when you got to your like seventy two, seventy five, that all those really? kind of cars looked Lincolns and yeah, 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 like, right, yeah, they, yeah. You know, they kind of all looked together. Well, I mean, well, if you look at a '69 Continental, '69 Eldorado, they look kind of similar. Uh, but yeah, but you're right. But in the '70s, though, they were yeah, they did look kind. Of, it was kind of hard to tell with from like a Lincoln, a Mercury, a Cadillac. They all look kind of like the boxy same. And, you know? Yeah, boxy, and big, and you know, big, yeah. I mean, they had big engines in them. They could move, and 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 they were designed for comfort a little bit as well. But like you know, they you know, so that's where. But it was kind of like yeah. Oh yeah, there's another one of those things. It was, yeah. you know, and I it was felt like an afterthought of, oh yeah, we need to get another one of these out. So let's just change, you know, the headlights or let's change the taillights. And you know, there was not a lot of change, you know, dramatic change between those years. And so that's where I would say the the C is on that is that kind of Cadillac, that era of Cadillac anyway. Where where really, if you think about it, the Lincolns and Cadillacs, they all kind of had that kind of similar look and design. So. All right, I am gonna go with probably our last enterprise. Okay, the NX01. Oh, good call. Experimental. So the NX01 is experimental, correct? Right. Yes, it, it was an experimental ship. Experimental ship. So we need to go with something that was experimental in the auto okay. industry. Okay. <sighs> Man, this is gonna be a tough one. I had an idea, and then it kind of slipped my mind. How about this, John? I'll ask you, John. What do you think, John? So uh, this is this is tough because you got. I'm passing the heat, baby. You are passing the heat. Yeah, because like you said, you're thinking experimental. It's a yeah. You want, but it's also something that a other ships were designed because we had the O2 with the Columbia, and we do know the other ships were created. Oh, I got it now. I got it now. Okay, I got it. it. That's where. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Fifty-five Corvette, the first year of of the Corvette, because right that was. When they first designed it, it was experimental. They wanted to put it out there. And then all other Corvettes were based after that. So. Right. Yeah. No, that's a great call. Because, I mean, like you said, it had to be an experimental ship that mm-hmm. begot other things. And also in that time period, others were made after that. So you have to go, okay, what experimental cars did we see that created other things along those lines? Yeah, you could were, say, were eventually mass produced. Yeah, you, so, could say the, you could say the 55 Corvette. You could even say the 1964 Mustang, which was yeah. unveiled at the 64 World's Fair, which was very rare as well. So you right. because that's what led to all the rest of the Mustangs and everything else. Exactly. So it was the starting point right there. So let's see. I like your I like the idea of the Corvette because the Corvette, like you, said, yeah. you know the, the the originally the Mustang was a little underpowered and not quite mm-hmm. what we know it as today. 
Well, so was so was the vet. The vet was underpowered too. Came with right, that. but it had that yeah. that look though. That that look, it still, yeah, it had, it still it had, had that look. look. Yeah, and look. I mean, it looked fast, even though yeah. like if you look at some of the early iterations of the Mustang, it was nice. But I mean, they're you know kind of like horribly underpowered. Yeah, like you saw in Ford versus Ferrari, it was underpowered. It didn't look fast. It looked like you know something you go get groceries in. Um, not what we see now is what we look at the Corvette uh, at the Mustang. Whereas the mm-hmm. Corvette always kind of had that look of being that aggressive, mean look, and 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 faster, it looked faster than it was sometimes. You know, a lot of people think, oh, the Corvette's a fast car. Well, you know, yeah, it goes 140, but it's not a supercar like we're expecting that go 200 plus. It's a yeah, it's a nice car that'll go 140, 150 on the track if you needed mm-hmm. to, but it's not it's not going to be anything that really blows your hair back. You know, um, but it still looks fast. You know, in all the iterations of it, it always had that. Well, hey, we may not go as fast as everybody else, but we're going to look like we go as fast. As we're going to look good doing yeah, it. Yeah, so. and we're going to look good doing it. And I think, in, and then they just build from there to where you have that fifty-five look, and then all the way now to this most most recent iteration with the mid-engine design, which they mm-hmm. finally done, and it looks incredible. I mean, you could see if you wanted to be, if you wanted to, you could almost take the Corvette from fifty-five to now and compare it to the Enterprise line that way if you really wanted to. Basically, yeah. You could because you could even say that Corvette now, the modern Corvette is the E, you know, with the way it looks yeah. compared. And the 55 is the NX01. And you follow those, those timelines, you could pull here and there of what they look like. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a great choice. You know, really, I can't argue with that one um, at all because, like I said, we needed something experimental that yeah. brought about, you know, so much stuff. So, uh, <laughs> all right, let's see. Um, I think we're kind of running low on ships, man. Oh no, we we got. Oh, I know, we, I know, we, we we still have some more ships. And there. we've got. We talking about running out of ships. I know. Um, yeah, I'm talking the ship. I'm talking the ship mark here. Yeah, I mean, it's more of like we don't want to pull from cars that we've already, you know, looked yeah. at, you know, and, and we want to we want to stay relevant to that. So um, let me see. I think one. I think one more. I think I really wanted to discuss that I thought would be really good was the Valdor. You know, when we the Romulan Valdor, what we see in. Uh, in uh, in Nemesis. Oh, know. Nemesis. Okay. Yeah. You know. So uh, is that the first... was um, Shinzon's ship, right? No, that was no, that was it. Was the ship that the uh, lady that was helping them at? Oh, the end. okay, okay, the, okay. Kind of the redesign of the Ron or the Warbird per se. Okay. Oh, kind of their, okay. the, it was kind of their bird of prey kind of look. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, very, it was you cool know, great design. I mean, we've had we the uh, bird of, the Romulan bird of prey. You know, in the TOS. Our TNG series, and we saw that look, which was a really neat design compared to what it was before in mm-hmm. TOS, um, completely different and unique. And then now we have this even slimmer, cool version mm-hmm. of this of this vehicle. And so the way I liken it to is, you had the bigger model, and then you bring it down, um, you know, to something that was sleeker and cool. And so you have to figure out, okay, what car was kind of bigger that they kind of, you know, brought back down to kind of look smaller and cool. Hmm. And it, it's not something that, you know, um, some you know, people are very controversial, but I'm going to say the uh, the new Bronco, you know, the Ford Bronco. Okay. Uh, because it was it's not as big as it originally was, but it maintained some of that design aspect. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit smaller, but it's still it's kind of cool looking and kind of unique, and and it's brought that kind of style to it, and it's still rough and tough, you know. Tough. I mean, 
two two of those things stood up to Shinjong ship and yeah. with with the E, you know, I mean they 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 held their own pretty well. Yeah, um, they did, yeah. For being, you know, probably about half the size of what a warbird would have been. So, you know, to me, I think when you compare those two, I think that's the way to go because your your older model was bigger and bulkier, and they mm -hmm. kind of slimmed it down, put more in technology into it, made it just leaner and cooler, and able to do a lot more things than you would expect, even with the the idea of the classic Bronco. And then, um, you know, now you have this more modern version that is more accessible for, I think, for people, and I think a lot cooler. That's my thought on the Valdor, but, you know, that's how I viewed it. I know it's not a sports car. No. I, mean, some people would have, I would have gone a sports car, but I was just thinking bigger or smaller, but still, you know. The only the only sports car you could say that for where it went, it started off small, but then it got bigger. So it's sort of like the original Romulan Warbird. Mm. It wasn't that big. And then it got bigger. Right. Like bigger. And then it got smaller. It would probably have to be Lotus. Oh, yeah. If you look at Lotus, Lotus made smaller cars. Then they made the Esprit, which was a bigger car. Right. And which... I've seen an Esprit. Literally, an Esprit is still a small fucking car. Yeah. But compared to the other Lotuses, yeah, it was a lot bigger. And they've gone smaller now. You know, mm -hmm. now they've gone smaller. So, yeah, you could say the Lotus. The only other thing I could think of was maybe a Lamborghini. Because, you know, Lamborghinis, you know, had that really slick design look. They kind of got big with the Countach and everything. The around. Countach was huge. And then now they've kind of slimmed it back down and made them mm -hmm. smaller uh, with some of these cars. But I mean, it still has a big one. The Huracan is kind of a big. Bigger Lamborghini. I would, I would kill somebody for like a 1983 Countach. Oh my gosh! What? Love that car. Oh who, I, I, you can't tell me a guy who was our age who didn't have a Lamborghini Countach poster in their room. Everybody, I, mean, I, I did. I mean, so did I, yeah. It was the coolest car ever, man. Yeah, I mean, Lamborghini Countach, Porsche 911 Turbo, yeah, sliding up doors yeah. and just. Yeah, dude. I was I was gonna say Porsche, but Porsches have gotten bigger throughout throughout the years, though. <laughs> and, and and Porsche's designs have stayed exactly the same. You know they I mean? have, yeah, really, you they know, have, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the only way to tell is looking at the back end. Oh, is it a Boxster or is it this or the other? You know, yeah. the 911s, 913s, they're all kind of you know very similar. Even now the. 919s that's the you know electric car or whatever yeah you know, it still is a Porsche yeah. per se whereas with Lamborghini there are some elements that are there but I mean they they will drastically change the design they on their cars for you time, yeah you know and so uh you know it, it to me I think um I think it's just one of those things where you go you know what cool you know I I uh, at the end of the day, we could be wrong on all of our stuff, but this yeah. is our show. We I don't still, care. yeah, I still love the story of how Lamborghini became a car company. Did you ever hear that story? No, I I know that they were a tractor company. All right, yeah. So, so basically, the guy that owned like Mister Mister Lamborghini, he would buy Ferraris, and he was having an issue with all of his Ferraris with the clutches. Mm. So he'd go through clutches a lot. Then he looked at the clutch one, and then after he changed about three clutches, he's like, "Hey, man, I own a company. I own a company that I mean, I know, I, I know, I, I know, I make tractors, but it's still a clutch." Look mm -hmm. at he goes, "This is the same clutch that's like in my tractors, and so Ferrari's charging me like a lot of money for this." So he and he looked at the clutch. He goes, "Ah," he goes, "We can make this better." So he went to Enzo. Goes, "Enzo, man, I can make this clutch better for you." You know, blah blah blah. And I guess Enzo kind of got offended by that. Enzo's like, "Right, go worry about your tractors and leave the leave the cars to me." And Lamborghini's like, "Fuck you, man! 
That's when he started his own car company. So he created a Lamborghini. So, yeah. Enzo, yeah, Enzo. Go worry about your tractors, Lamborghini. Let me, I'll I'll make real cars. Mr. Lamborghini did not like that. He didn't like that. (laughs) Another, like, revenge to, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or spite to make a, you know. Spite, yeah. You know, make a car company. Oh, we're going to do that. All right, fine. And by the way, you can still get Lamborghini tractors, too. Yeah, yeah. That, Jeremy, that was... Jeremy Clarkson bought one. Yeah, Jim Clarkson's farm. They're all like, yeah. Jeremy, it's, it's too big of a tractor. No, but it's a Lamborghini. No, it's a Lamborghini. Yes, Lamborghini. Yeah, look at this. Look at my Lamborghini. No, I do. <laughs> if you haven't seen Clarkson's farm, it Check is it out. hilarious. Oh my, oh my gosh, Jeremy Clarkson's the funniest man in the planet. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you know, just uh... he can read. He can read. He can read a phone book and it'd be funny, dude. He. It, it was like there were so many times where you're just like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like Jeremy, like, no, oh, yeah. just the cringe factor and the things yeah. that you know. Oh well, I know what I'm doing. I'm looking at this, and you know it. You know, fails miserably, and uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, it. Uh, and then, dude, the Caleb kid on that Caleb, show, yeah, Caleb. Oh, did not like 21 years old. Is not afraid to give him shit no. all the time. I, I I love when he's trying to back the tractor off with the water, and he's like, he's like, just have, just just have a 20 year old kid do it. And he's like, come on, you piece of shit. It is not a piece of shit. <laughs> or like I, the the the, the Stonewall guy Gerald, who you could not understand a word. Yeah, that oh yeah, said. no, you could not. And okay. like Jeremy's going, okay. It's like Jerry's like, yeah, okay, Jerry. <laughs> and he just laughs, and, or else just laughing, like, okay, you know, okay. Oh my god! Like when he was doing the harvesting, and Gerald had to do it. <laughs> Jeremy's like, I don't know what he's saying right now. I have no like, idea what he's saying. Yeah, and they're trying to harvest, and he's not getting it because he can't understand yeah. what he's. Oh my gosh, dude, that was hilarious at all. But you know that's still waiting for season two to come out of that. Well, you know he's got to wait a whole year. Um, oh yeah, we yeah. Because you know, I mean, which is weird that their farming season is over the winter. You know, they started in like August, September, and then you know harvested. You know, which is kind of you know in America we go, you know, spring through summer to fall, and so you know he, I guess over there it's different because of temperatures or yeah or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. just. It seemed weird, but hey, whatever, whatever floats your boat, whatever you got to do to make it work, however you got to farm it. Mm-hmm. Respect to people who are farmers, which, by the way, um, you know, hey, you want to see another reason how uh, we are becoming less and less control of, of what we have. Um, majority of the land owners and water owners now are like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. You know, they own a majority, Terrible. you know, Terrible. And, and, and privatized farmers are less they're under 10 percent of farmland is now under private farms it's all like you know these company farms like um monsanto and and all these guys who are genetically modifying their stuff mm-hmm. so you know if you think that we have control of our stuff we don't we don't think again sorry ladies and gentlemen um it's it's one of those things that this is not the direction to go for a you, you know utopian star trek society no it's not you know you know, we're closer to bell rights than we are Star Trek right now. Yes, so, we are. You know, be prepared for that. So, anywho, uh, so we have a Trek wreck for this week. I forget. Is it my turn or your turn? I think it's, I think it's my turn. I think you went last week, John. No, I think I, I think you went last week. Did did I go last week with Gazelle right. Animation? 
Yes, because because uh, I, we had to cut it short because I had that presentation. Was that last week? Was that last week? No, I think calendar. I think last week was. I'm looking okay. at my calendar. Yeah. Uh, oh, last week was Father's Day. Yeah, it was Father's Day last week. Yeah. So I think you gave the track wreck. Yeah, that's right. I did. I gave it. Yeah, for Father's Day. <laughs> 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 We're doing so. All right. Well, how about we'll take a moment here and we will uh, put in let James put in our. Oh, Jesus. Our music for our track record is Triple D gives it this week. That was two weeks ago that I had to. We had to cut it short. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, I love it. Oh my God! Okay, as I compose myself as after, you compose after me. laughing at Johnny's misfortune, my track record for this week is all you smooth brains out there. IDW, get the Star Trek graphic novels. That's my track rack, baby. The graphic novels, IDW, 15 years with Star Trek, guys. For all Star Trek fans, guys, get these novels. They are so good. They tell so much more of a story that you get from the original series. They tie in so much, especially with the year five. Mm. After the original series, they tell the reason why they had to change uniforms from, from the original uniforms to the uniforms in the motion picture. You know, what happened when Kirk and his crew came in? What happened with Gary Seven? And ISIS and the Tholians there. It tells such great stories. Not even that. And then we got the Mirror Universe saga. You can talk, you can read about, you know, the the Mirror Universe Picard, who's an absolute dickhead, and everyone else in that. They also um did the Mirror Universe. We did the classics, the Mirror Universe with with this with the Wrath of Khan coming over here. Mm-hmm. With them coming over again. So guys, IDW, that's my track wreck. Go on Amazon, get their stuff, support this company that has helped support Star Trek for the last 15 years. Yes. Also, too, guys, along with IDW, buy some of the books, too. The books mm. are really good. So so, so my track rec is IDW and the Star Trek literature universe. Yes. Great. Which, great recommendations. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you, you got you're gonna experience more Star Trek, which as we say, what's better than Star Trek is more Star Trek. More Star and Trek. It fills in a lot of holes, especially if you especially like IDW did a great job with the countdown series, which is the prequel. Oh, you know that all oh. the 2009 series. Beautiful, beautiful. It was very well done. Yes. It made the movie make so much more sense. Mm-hmm. If you have if you've seen 09 and you didn't like it, you didn't understand, go read that countdown graphic novel. And it is great, and it makes the movie makes yeah. so much more sense, and when everything I, and all that goes on. Yeah, so. when I when I bought the countdown novel and I read it, and then I watched 09 again, it was so much more of of a pleasurable experience watching it because I understood the backstory, I understood right. the reason why Nero wanted to do what he wanted to do, the reason mm-hmm. why he hated Spock so much, 
I mean, they try to explain that in the movie, but if you didn't get what they call shoulder content, which I'm not a, I mean, listen, man, here's the thing. Not everyone's going to read the shoulder content, right? You should probably include that in the movie. Mm -hmm. If they would have made put countdown in the movie where you had data as the captain of the enterprise, you know, Picard as the ambassador to, to Romulus, Mm -hmm. that would, to me, that probably would have made the movie a lot better, but they couldn't do it because of certain rights that they didn't have. That's the reason why. So that's why they did it with, 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 with countdown. So guys, listen to John. Mm-hmm. Go get Countdown, read it, and then watch 09. You're going to love 09 even more. Heck yeah. So, and with that said, if you uh, today's topic was brought to you by James Bunny MacGyver. And like we said, we have another one coming that is brought to you by uh, UTT Rob. So if you want to hear some of your stuff that you want to talk about, you want to hear you know a topic or a thing that you want us to talk about, we want to hear from you. Let us hear from you, and let's talk about that thing that you want to talk about. How do you do that? Well, you can always email the show at, at theacademyhmg at yahoo.com. And you can do like Rob did and just message us, or you can message us, or you can tweet at us, Twitter at the Academy HMG, or on Facebook. If you type in the at symbol, type in at Academy HMG. It makes it super easy for you to contact us any way of those shape or form of those forms. You can hit us up. You can tell us your topic. You can tell us what you thought about our our ship comparisons. You can tell us what you thought about our Father's Day show that we have that James is going to be putting out. Um, that you know, what do you think about our, our Father's Day lists um, and things along those lines? We have all kinds of things that you can what do. You, tell us about. What do you think of our tangents, and our <laughs> ramblings? Well, you know. Yeah, it, it's it is what tangents. it is. Yeah, we, we do. We Sometimes we have we have things we have to get off our chest. Exactly. All right, and then this is our platform to do it. Exactly. So, it's our know, show. Suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So you know, but hit heel us up John. at those shows. Oh yeah, mm. heel John, I love it. Every now and then you get to heal me, but you know, but hit us up at those shows. We want to hear from you. Uh, we know that you guys have great ideas just as much as us because this is a show uh, that is designed to be for everyone Mm -hmm. so uh just like star trek is for everybody um this show is for everybody exactly Um, star trek has been a pioneer in being for everybody since the 60s and so uh if if that's the case this show is the same thing um so tell us your ideas your thoughts the things you want and we will gladly do that for you now if you want to find me on the internet you can reach me at john or jay reezy men on tiktok twitter instagram you can hit me up all there (laughs) Uh, and then uh, John and Wright uh, on Facebook. If you want to talk mental health and you want to get your, find out how we can begin your healing journey or just need some help finding resources, you can always email me, John at freedomhousepc.org, and be glad to help you um, either as start your healing journey or find resources as you are on your healing journey because uh, your mental health is important. You know, I know things like Star Trek can be great to help with that, but we need deeper things sometimes than just watching an episode of Star Trek or, or five. Um, we need to really just find out those causes and help maybe have great coping mechanisms to figure out what it is that we need for that mental health. So let us know how we can help you. Um, we'd be glad to do so. Um, it's why I do what I do. So um, that's how you get hold of me, Triple D. What about you, sir? Where can they find you on the nets of the internet? The nets of the internet. You can find me at Facebook, Instagram, Dimitri Zerdos. Easy to find. 
I might accept your friend request. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also check me out too on Twitter, GreekDZ25. Twitter is a cesspool of everything that's terrible. I mean, if you look at it, you look at the comments, someone could say, I donated a million dollars to charity. And people would be like, why do you donate $2 million to charity, you piece of shit? And they said that on YouTube. They'd be like, oh, that's great, mate. Great, great for you. Facebook, that's awesome. Instagram, yes. Twitter, they fucking hate you no matter what you do. The trolls are there. But God bless the trolls because, man, they are hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you can also find me, too, Dippin' Donuts, CNY, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, for the best donuts. Uh, it's me, moi. Me and my family, and uh, and here at uh, the academy, here at the academy, baby, every go. week <laughs> doing Star Trek. <laughs> so, John, we've gave him, we gave him an unbelievable show today, John, where yeah. we compared the ships of of uh, Star Trek to classic cars and the cars in general. So, saying that, we've given them, we've given them enough of our time. So, as we like to say, everyone out there. Be here same time, same channel next week. Live long and prosper, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Good night.